Hello, and welcome to PW's LitCast, a podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors creating fiction books, including science fiction, mystery, and graphic novels. I'm Rose Fox, and I'm a reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Victoria Schwab, writing as V.E. Schwab, whose novel Vicious, published by Tor Books, is the sponsor of today's podcast. Hi, Victoria. Hi there. Hi, thank you so much for joining us. So tell me a little bit about Vicious. It's a superhero story, but it's not the mm-hmm. usual sort of flying around with capes superhero Definitely. story. Definitely. There, there's no spandex in this book. Um, yeah, it is a super villain origin story, I think, is the way that I would put it. It's about two pre-med students who discover that the key to superpowers are near-death experiences. And so they set out to manufacture their own supernatural abilities by controlling their own uh, death scenarios and hopefully resurrections. And uh, of course, as it probably sounds like, things don't go very well. No, I imagine not. So it sounds like there's a, a really careful line to walk there. You don't want your near-death experience to turn into a death experience. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's a it's a very careful line. And, and that's one of the nice things about having them be pre-med students. And I did quite a bit of research into um, not medical phenomena per se, but that, that line, you know, you hear a lot of times the people saying that in extreme circumstances, adrenaline or other factors allow them to um, do things that one person wouldn't normally be able to do. And so it's kind of hopefully an intuitive extrapolation of that. So it's like a a parent being able to lift a car off their child or something like that, only sustained. Exactly. Exactly. Um, It's one of the students is, Eli, is studying this specific phenomena called EO-ness, extraordinariness. And the other student, Victor, is um, studying adrenaline. And so the two of them discover, or at least postulate, that it's a combination of mind and body. It's not mind over matter. It requires a certain physical uh, situation or circumstance and the right headspace. And so in true scientist form, they decide to use themselves as, as guinea pigs. And so Eli ends up uh, working with the cops and Victor ends mm-hmm. up going to jail. But <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, the sense that I got was that that was not necessarily, again, the, the cut and dried good guy, bad guy scenario. No, of course not. The really, one of the, you know, I've always wanted to write about superpowers. I just, I've always been a comic book fan, but I really am fascinated by the terms hero and villain. And one of the guiding kind of incentives for me to write the book was that I wanted to take those terms and assign them to the characters. Eli gets assigned by society as a hero and Victor then the villain. I wanted to make the terms meaningless. So the question becomes when, when the worth behind those words goes away, who do you root for? Because just because one of them is labeled a hero, um, the other one becomes labeled a villain for opposing him. And so um, it, it, nothing is very cut and dry in the book. I like to say that, that you know, maybe classically or in comic books, we like to characterize our heroes and our villains in, in white and black. And these are definitely characters written in shades of gray. And there's also been a lot of conversation recently about uh, representation of female characters in comic books. Mm -hmm. And you have a very interesting female character in your novel, a 12-year-old girl named Sydney. Tell us about her. Um, There's two girls in the book, Sydney and Serena Clark. And I would argue that they are the most powerful characters in the book. And I would argue that if anybody is actually going to get the label of a hero in the proper sense, it would be Sydney Clark, this 12-year-old girl. Um, and without spoiling anything, really, she uh, meets up with Victor on some of the early chapters of the book, and she has just been shot. 
And that is all you know about her going in. And she has a very, very strange ability. Serena, her older sister, has one too. And kind of through an unfortunate series of events, they end up on opposite sides of this very personal conflict between Eli and Victor. And they are, um, even though I guess I would necessarily call them secondary characters in terms of how much POV time they have, they are the driving forces in many ways behind the book. Now, what kind of research did you do to set up these scenarios? I was very lucky to have EMT friends and medical friends on hand that I could call up at all hours of the night and ask, you know, realistically, what are the ways in which you could resurrect somebody or kill someone for that matter and and maintain their form? You know, it's very easy, actually, to kill somebody in fiction. It's much harder to bring them back in one piece. Mm-hmm. And so it became a matter of... of these are these characters are scientists, and so I had to go through it as they would go through it and really kind of assess what are our feasible options in the situation. You know, they and Victor, who volunteers to go first, much to his later dismay, it's one of the worst decisions he admits making in his life. Uh, he messes up the first time, so it's not a success right off the bat. Um, there's a huge amount of trial and error, but but yeah, it became a matter of realistically i wanted the world building i wanted the supernatural element to feel like a logical medical step and so i tried very hard to stay close to um a feasible reality there nobody goes magically piecing themselves back together at least at first and i mean there's these really long vivid descriptions like uh, victor and eli basically killing each other (laughs) it's it's it really it really brings it uh i suppose i could say it brings it alive Mm -hmm. um even though that's that's almost paradoxically (laughs) incorrect Uh, but i i was really impressed by the degree of verisimilitude there well thank you i wanted it i wanted it to feel real I mean, I imagine it would be a difficult situation for anybody to go through, not only, you know, assessing your own life and death in kind of cold, calculated terms the way Victor's able, but having the scientific willingness to experiment with your own or with your best friends. And um, yeah, there's a scene earlier on in the book, uh, not too far in anyway, where, yeah, Eli manages to kill himself and Victor is faced with the challenge of bringing him back to life. And and it's a, a difficult position, I think, for anyone to be in. So I wanted to keep it as realistic as possible. And I mean, obviously, Victor, even more than Eli, is a bit of a detached character. So he might not be going through all of the same emotions that a normal person would. But um, but yeah, in every other way, I wanted to keep it as realistic as possible. Victor has an unusual hobby. Uh, his parents write self-help books, and he likes to go through and cross out a lot of words in the book so that the remaining words say different things. How does that sense of, of rewriting or revisiting a text uh, interweave with the rest of the book? Yeah, it's hugely important to his character for a few reasons. One, it was a way to humanize him a little bit. He is a very emotionally detached person, but essentially he makes found art or found poetry with everything that he comes across with in his environment. And I think while while there is a poetic element to that, the flip side is that Victor really likes taking control of other people and other people's lives and writing quite literally over the top of it. And so he's something he does from a young age. Uh, we see him do it to his parents' books growing up and in, in school. And it's something that he imagines doing with the lives of those around him. Uh, he very, very much wants to be in control of the way that his story and, and everyone else's story is quite literally written. And is this your debut novel? I want to say that it is. 
This is my debut adult novel. Um, I write for teens for Disney Hyperion. I have uh, two books with them, The Near Witch, which came out in 2011 about a village where children disappear, and the Archive series, which is ongoing right now, about a library of the dead. But this is my first book writing as V.E. Schwab for adults. What was it like making that shift from young adult to adult writing? You know, it was really it was really easy and quite intuitive for me. I think I, I rarely go into any project thinking about what shelf I want it to end up on. And I get a lot of people starting to ask me if, you know, is Vicious adult because it's darker than YA? And I would absolutely disagree with that. My YA books are, are all quite dark. I think, if anything, uh, ironically, Vicious is adult because of the kind of humor in the book. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a very black sense of humor. And I think that that's something we really get a taste for and develop a sense for as we're exiting our teen years rather than entering them. Mm-hmm. So it always was adult, even though the characters, the ages of the characters could put it on that cusp at many points. It just kind of always came out that way, but it was not something that I ever consciously entered into. Your, your biographies are a little bit coy about other things you've done besides writing. Do you want to talk at all about other experiences that you've had, other careers that you've had that you've brought to this, or is this really where you've been going all along? You know, it's interesting. I've had a lot of life experiences. A lot. Of, I tend to put myself in very strange situations. I always jokingly bring up that I lived in a, someone's backyard in Liverpool for three months for no apparent reason. Um, but this is really the only job I've ever had. I, I wrote all through college and was lucky enough that my first book sold to Hyperion about two months after I graduated. So while I've had a number of odd jobs and gone down a number of odd roads, I would say that this is the one that has always been the front and center path for me. And I feel really lucky in that respect to to be able to do it and to be able to continue to do it. I, I kind of surround myself with odd life experiences to help infuse what I'm writing. So they kind of run alongside concurrently rather than being the predecessor to this job. And where are you going from here? Are you going to keep working on both young adult and adult simultaneously? Are you making a shift over to adult works for a while? Or you just wait and see where the next book comes out? Um, My hope is actually to continue down all tracks. I actually also have a middle grade series kicking off with Scholastic next summer called Everyday Angel, which is very quirky and strange and a completely different persona for me. And then I, the archive series is continuing. The second book is coming out in January. And I hope to get to continue to write adult books. I'm working on one right now that uh, is basically about magical Londons and cross-dressing pirates. I'm having a really fun time with that. Well, that sounds like a very fun time. Yeah. So I'm just lucky to really, to get to keep doing this. I have so much fun. Uh, Is Vicious a kind of book that has a sequel in the works or maybe down the road or does it just stand on its own for now? I would say that I I hope, very, very much hope that there will be a sequel to it at some point. I try very hard with all of my books to give them a sense of closure or at least the day being saved, if not the world. Uh, Just because as a reader, I don't really like it when a book just ends and we have to wait for the next installment. Mm -hmm. But that said, I love these characters and I lived with them for several years before before they went over to tour. And so they're characters that I don't feel done with necessarily in any way. And so I would love to revisit them. And if you do revisit them, do you have a sense yet of what kind of story that's going to be, or you're just waiting to see what pops into your head? Oh, no, yes. I definitely have the story planned out to a lot of detail. These are these are books that I think even if I weren't going to execute more of them, I would know exactly what happened. <laughs> so I've got, I've got a full outline and a plot planned for these characters if I do get to revisit them. But I'm hoping that regardless, people will be able to enjoy the first installment as a kind of entity unto itself. 
And I have to ask, because I'm curious, where does the title come from, Vicious? It's not a word that I think one usually associates with superhero stories. Yeah, you know, I like to say that this is a story without heroes. This is a story about villains. Mm-hmm. And i it's a word, I think, that we don't use very often. It's not one of the vocabulary that comes up recurrently in titles. But I think it's a very visceral word. And I would say that the, all of the characters in the book... Um, maybe Sydney more in the making than as she is right now, but that they are all in their way villains and that they are all in their way quite vicious about what they want and what they're willing to do to get it. I don't think it's a book in which any of the characters are approached gently. I don't think anything about it is a really kind of gentle or cautious book. So it just, it was a word that came I, it kind of came upon me while I was wandering through a bookstore looking at titles, and from the moment that I thought it, it just stuck, and I've been really happy to be able to keep it. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, and uh, certainly wish you the best of luck with your book. Thank you so much. This concludes today's LitCast, and again, we were speaking about V.E. Schwab's new book, Vicious, published by Tor Books, the sponsor of today's LitCast. Most importantly, thanks to our listeners for tuning in, and join us again for the next PW Podcast.